When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. VOCNation.com, ladies and gentlemen, Brady Hicks here. I just want to let you guys know that we're going to, well, we're canceling the show for this week. Everybody seems to be under the weather and we need a week off. So uh, sorry about that, but be sure to check out all the other great stuff on VOCNation.com, live and on-demand programming just about every day of the week. And, uh, you know, in place of a show tonight, we're actually going to run a very special interview that we did with Ricky Steamboat a couple years ago. Be sure to check it out. It's going to follow this right here. And don't forget to also visit us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Everybody take care. To the callers who are lined up, I apologize. I'll get to, all, I'll get to you all next week. I love you all very much. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the line right now is a true legend of professional wrestling, the NWA, uh, WWE, WCW, a little bit of AWA in there, uh, Ricky Steamboat. Hall of Famer as well. Joining us on the line right now, we are so happy to have him with us. How you doing tonight, Ricky? I'm doing well. I've been uh, working out in the yard all day today. Um, weather being about 75 degrees down here in Florida, putting up a Christmas tree, uh, not Christmas tree, but lights <laughs> on the outside of the house. I, I started early. <laughs> Sounds like it's Quite a workout. I'm sure not quite as rigorous as the, uh, the the gym time that you used to put in during the peak of your career. But uh, it's great to hear, hear that things are going well. Your, your health's been good as well? Yeah, not bad. About four months ago, I had a total hip replacement. And um, that turned out to be uh, very successful. Um, I don't feel anything as we speak. I had to go up and down the ladder dozens of times today. So, uh, that that hip is working real good. Well, that, that's that's incredible, and I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, you know, you, you kind of mentioned the hip, and obviously you were a bit of a high flyer during your heyday, and I'm sure that that took a toll on your body. Looking back, how was that experience? You know, was it all worth it in the end? Oh, at the end of the day, at the end of each match, it certainly was. I think um, – Jimmy Snooker and I started uh, doing that stuff off the top rope, just dives or cross bodies or drop kicks. And then they went from the doing it into the ring, then doing it to the floor. But, you know, as we have seen, um, this generation of young kids and, and even some of the middle-aged guys are taking all of that high flying to different levels. Oh, absolutely. Do you ever just kind of watch TV and think like, man, like they're nuts? Because I often think that. But, of course, my feet don't leave the ground, so 
I'm not much of a judge. Um, yes, yes, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, you don't like the ladder matches, okay? And, um, you know, the stuff they're doing now with steel cages, and then they stack a steel cage on top of the steel cage, and then you got guys dropping out of the ceiling, going through tables. And, and I, I'm so glad that I said, man, I'm glad that stuff wasn't happening during my time because, God, I'd have second thoughts about even, you know, sitting down to talk to somebody about doing it, much <laughs> less doing it. You know, these guys are falling out of the sky going through, you know, but as we know, it does take a toll on, on their bodies. And um, I, I, I honestly think that, you know, we're getting away from the basic structure of re wrestling and, um, and it, and it also speaks to careers coming up short, you know, because of, because of injuries, you know. Oh, sure. No, absolutely. It's, um, it's an absolute, no, when I um, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. When I, um, a lot of times when I watch wrestling today, um, I try to get involved with what the two participants or what the tag team is is trying to say in their match to see if there's a, if there's a story. Um, so I, I sort of pull myself away as Ricky Steamboat and and you know become a fan of the sport as a fan would sit there and watch. And um, I, I do a lot of seminars, not a lot, but you know I, I do my my share of them throughout the year. And one of the biggest things that I talk about is when the class is there in front of me and I'm standing in the ring and, you know, I, I keep popping up the question about t being able to tell a story, being able to tell a story in your match, whether you have a five-minute match or a 30-minute match, you know, just being able to tell the story. And, and most times than not, they uh, those those guys that I'm talking to and even some of the girls that, that are there, they, they come up short with, um, they understand what I'm trying to say, but at the end of the seminar, and, and it's the way I introduce it and explain it, and you just don't put moves and holds and stuff in your match just for the sake of filling in time. It's it's um, the the expression I use a lot is being able to connect the dots. And what this does is, if you have a fan watching. They let them be able to connect the dots in your match and the story that you're trying to tell. And, um, you know, I'm happy to say at the end of the seminar that a lot of them get it, you know. Now, moving forward, if that's the way they, you know, they start putting their matches together, you know, the next week, weekend, or the next time they work, you know, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm forever being being the one to try and, you know, we can do everything under the moon in your match. You, we have that luxury. Being able to put stuff together so that it tells a story in your match, that's that's when you become a pro. You know, that's when they say, God, that's the expression we used back in the day was, God, what a great worker. And that, that underneath would then follow up with because he was able to go out there and tell a, a story. And even guys that working in the business that are smart to the business like myself and I would watch a guy work, I would get involved in his match only because of the way he's orchestrating it. And uh, I see, you know, today that falls short in, in a lot of cases.
Ricky, hi. Uh, Steve Anderson. Um, you're talking about telling the story. I think one of the the best stories uh, that you ever told happened at WrestleMania three in your match with Randy Savage. Uh, right. Talk to me about that, about the story, about the planning that went into it. You know what you wanted to to come out of that match with. Okay, we uh, in December. We, I believe it was December of 86, we started that angle to which when he came off the top rope with the announcer's bell on my throat. And then um, it was a big question mark whether or not, I'll, I'll talk in the third person here, uh, whether or not Ricky was going to be able to make it, make it, make a comeback or even wrestle. So throughout the weeks leading up to WrestleMania 3, went to a, speech therapy, a speech coach, on and on and on. And, I, you know, um, and I will say this, uh, I've, I've gone back and watched me do those those little segments, and I cringe. I said, oh, God, that, that, I'm looking at myself, and I said, damn, Ricky, you're terrible when it comes to doing that speech therapy stuff. But get me in the ring, that's a different story. But, um, you, know, pay, you know, big shows, pay-per-views, and, uh, most of the main event guys, they would have some uh, tune-up matches uh, prior to the big shows and in some of those maybe smaller venues and live events and start putting stuff together to see if it worked or if it didn't work, crowd reaction and so forth. But, you know, uh, unfortunately, Randy and I didn't have that opportunity because uh, Vince wanted me to – my debut was, was going to be WrestleMania three, So we didn't have a chance to – to do or try anything, you know, or see if this was going to work or if it didn't. So I got with Randy, and I said, "Look, we need to collaborate. We we need to the word the other word is choreograph and put something together. So at least when we get out there, I said because we haven't even touched each other, you know, other other than that angle on TV where you came off the top rope." Um, and he wanted um, he wanted redemption for me, and the story that would be that I, I kept going after his throat. And I said, well, you know, that kind of makes sense, not kind of, but it, it does make sense. You know, and the fans mm-hmm. would immediately immediately grasp onto that because of what he did to me. But I'd like to tell a story. I'd like to make this a championship match, and the story that I'd like to tell that, you know, I went through all this therapy, I'm making my comeback, and the best way to, that I could hurt you in front of the fans was to take your championship, and that's the story that I'd like to tell. We had one moment in that match where I guess he was something, something, and I got him up in the air in a chokehold. And then threw him down on his back. You know, it was probably about a three-second moment. And now I've I've signed baseball cards with that picture of me holding him up in the air by the throat. And underneath it, it says, redemption. You know, so so even they took that three-second moment. and And everybody understood it, you know. But the story that I wanted to tell was uh, to make it a championship match. Then we wanted to go out there and, and, and have the match of the night. 
We knew that, and I'll give credit where credit's due, our two biggest icons in the business, with Andre and, and Hulk, you know, being the main event, and we were right under them, and the ticket sales were going off the hook, through the roof, and we were hearing these numbers coming in about how many seats were sold at the Silverdome, and the pay-per-view buy rate was strong, and and I said, let's go out there and steal the show. we got so many people that are going to be there live and so many people that are going to tune in and watch it. And, it's, you know, because of Hogan and Andre, and Randy and I did have our part, you know, in, in helping those numbers. But uh, let's make it a championship match. And, and, and moving forward real quick, guys, when I do seminars, I go to live events and, and, and there's a championship match. And usually it's the two best guys that – the small company has to offer, and they come up to me for some advice. And I said, uh, I tell them this. I said, look, you're gonna, you got a championship match. You're, you're gonna be swapping belt. You're gonna take it off this guy, put it on this. Make your match a championship match. You know, for the fans to see the picture that is painting. This is what you want them going home saying, what a championship match that was. You know. Sure. And that's all I tell them. and that's all I tell them because you are the two best that this company has to offer. So I'm just gonna make it a championship match, damn it. And going back to Savage and I, um, we had twenty or twenty one false finishes in a match that went roughly less than seventeen minutes. So yeah. as you see the picture painting is that I'm trying to cover him and beat him for the belt. He's trying to beat me and keep his belt, and we wanted to make it a championship match. And, um, oh, my God, when we started putting that story together about all these false finishes, I'm telling you guys, try to remember 20 or 21 false finishes and remember them in a, in a row. And and uh, that's why we started writing everything down. <laughs> Sure. I'm not kidding. You. We had the yellow legal tablets, and yeah. you know, step one, step two. You know, we got up to like step 100 and something. <laughs> and even though that Randy and I didn't wrestle each other, he was on the road working main event with another babyface, and they would have me there. So just before his match would get started, they would have me walk out into the audience, out to the ring. And everybody would say, oh, my God, Ricky's here, you know. And I would point at Savage and put up three fingers like WrestleMania three, you and me, buddy. And that's all I did, night after night after night, just to, you know, we didn't we didn't touch each other. And so for two guys I, that never really got the feel of each other and go out there and, and have that kind of a moment in, in our wrestling history, and here it is 37 years later, and just like you guys just asked me, everybody's everywhere I go that they keep talking about it. Sure, uh, you guys had a real natural chemistry, and I think it showed. Um, did you have any idea? I know you mentioned the huge ticket sales and everything, but Ricky, did you have any idea at the time, uh, not just how big that show would be, would come to be um, talked about as probably the big one of the biggest WrestleManias of all time, if not the biggest? But your match is still continually listed as the greatest match in WrestleMania history. Did you have any idea heading into that? None. None. Honestly, none. We, we, 
we when we finished the last step in writing it all down, we thought we had put together uh, one heck of a match. Uh, we thought we had a great possibility of being able having the match of the night, not knowing what Hogan and Hulk were going to do, uh, what Andre and, and Hulkster were going to do. Sure. Um, but later, and, and guys coming up to me and promoters and, you know, different people in aspects of our business and then the fans, um, what I gathered is that what made that match so special was all those false finishes and going back and forth and making it a fight and making it a championship match. And, and, um, and I think we sort of raised the bar and changed the blueprint of, you know, how are guys putting together matches, to, you know, with all these false finishes, especially in, you know, the, the main event stuff, you know, yeah, typically I, in a, in a match, you know, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I think that definitely is uh, true. I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Sorry about that. No, that's all right. You know, typically a match would have six or seven or eight false finishes, you know, and then that was sort of the blueprint back in the day. And then, you know, but I don't know how we just kept coming up with all these false finishes and, and then we, and then counted them out. And I, like I said, 20 or 21. And, and then, and I will also say <laughs> this, that during the match, during the match, you know, we might have done three or four or five false finishes. Randy would go, it's a dragon, dragon, what's next? What's next? And I'd, bop, 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 bop. Oh, I got it, I got it. And then we'd go on. We were up to 9, 11 and 12, 13. And I look at Savage. I said, Savage, damn it, I forget. What's up? And he would tell me, so we're coaching each other back and forth. And, you know, when I watch the match back, I'm trying to see us do this, the talking aspect and how, you know, and, we learned, you know, you're learned, we learned early on in the business, you try to be like a ventriloquist because we certainly didn't want the fans to pick up that you're talking to each other out there. You know, this thing was kayfabe and all that, and you know. But, uh, you know, I couldn't see it, so I, I was happy about that. And I'll tell you something else, guys. Um, when I came out with my DVDs, uh, like my career, uh, God, what year was that, 90s? Seven? No, two thousand and seven or six or seven or something like that. Eight, somewhere in there. It wasn't until that time that I actually watched the match first time. Wow. So eighty-seven to almost twenty years went by. And during the twenty years, I everybody's just talking. I said, "Well, thank you, thank you very much," you know. And I said, "Well, God, everywhere I go, that they just keep bringing that up, bringing it up." So I finally got to sit down. 20 years later, and watch the match. And like I said, I tried to see us talking. And then I tried to guess the spots that were coming up. And it wasn't until about the third time I watched it that I was able to sit there and, and, and click off every spot that was coming off, you know. But, but I tell that story uh, almost everywhere I go. You know, it's been 20 years, everybody, since I actually yeah. saw us perform, and everybody sort of dropped their mouths, you know, like, what? I said, but that's the truth. <laughs> I was there. Oh, sorry, Kevin. <laughs> sorry, I, I was there in Detroit that night, Ricky. I didn't know that, Kathy. My God. Well, we didn't know each other then, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, many, as many times as we run into each other while I'm out, 
You have not once ever mentioned that. Yep, I was there. And and here it is 30 years later, and I find out about that. Gee, <laughs> 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 really, Wow. Now, uh, yeah, where, where, I, hey, where were you sitting? I was on the floor. I think I was like six rows back. Oh, my God. You were right there up front. It was Daddy, right. was that because of Sherry? No. Uh, <laughs> that That's tremendous, Ricky. You know, I was listening to an interview the other day. I, I think it, it was uh, Ric Flair, and uh, he called you his best adversary of all time, the uh, the – the perfect good guy for his bad guy. Uh, was that feeling uh, mutual? Was he your favorite adversary of all time? Oh, it had, yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, the two of us, we went back and forth and, you know, different companies meeting back up and so forth and so on. And that spanned uh, about 17 years. 17 years out of a guy's career that these two guys kept hooking back up. And, um, yeah, we, I mean, we wrestled each other hundreds and hundreds of times, especially when we were back in the mid-Atlantic days, you know, in the Carolinas and Virginia. We had so many 60-minute, one-hour matches. Jim Crockett says, the promoters, well, I don't want to beat Ricky and I can't beat you, Flair. You know, you're the champ, so... I guess you guys go out there and put on one of your stellar 60-minute matches. And then after we have done so wow. many of those, we had we had a month of 90-minute uh, matches. Oh, we went out yeah, there and, I remember that. We went out there and worked for an hour and a half, you know. And I tell that to some of the young boys today, young boys today, and they can't <laughs> believe it, you know. They come in and have a, uh, after an eight-minute match. After an eight-minute match, they're all gassed up. <laughs> now, what, was there was there pressure in that? Was that something, uh, or, or did that just kind of come naturally? The ability to go sixty, ninety minutes like that. It it well, you work with a guy for so long and and, and so much. And, um, I wasn't. I mean, I didn't get you know upset or butterflies. Yeah. I, I, it was like okay, that you know. That's what the boss wants. That's what we'll go out and do. But it sure did tested your cardio. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Another person I I wanted to ask about. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ricky. I think there's a delay here. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, That's okay. Um, I think, no, no, no. I know that in a 90-minute match, I think we ended up telling two stories and um, the first part of the story was to try and beat the guy within the first 60 minutes him beat me or I beat him and Mm. then the last 30 was like nip and tuck and back and forth and and keep the fans injured enough to try and I mean not try and figure out but Who's going to win this damn thing? You know, they've been out there for over an hour now, you know? So it was almost like two stories in, in the 90-minute match. I also wanted to ask you, and I know we're running short on time. I appreciate everything that you've given us tonight, Ricky. But uh, I, I did want to ask you about some of those early years in WCW. You were around 
some phenomenal young talent, guys like uh, Steve Austin, Brian Pillman, uh, Steve Regal. I mean, did you realize at the time the kind of talent that was in WCW, and did you realize the kind of huge names that they would become in the industry over time? Uh, I'm going to throw another one, and we mentioned him earlier, and the Shane Douglas, when he, we were tag team partners. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was a young man that was eager to learn, respectfully to learn, um, and a, a guy that uh, if he talks about, he would give you his opinion. And if I threw him mine, you could see his eyes light up, and that would tell me that you could see the light bulb clicking on in his brain. You know, uh, very coachable. Very, very coachable at that time. Uh, he was like a sponge. You could tell him something, he would get it, and and then apply it. Uh, Austin, the same way. Um, I worked with him for the U.S. Championship and, um, and and also with tags with me and Shane and him and Pillman. And there's a there's a kid that I I said to the office. I said this this guy's got it, and you need to do more with him, you know, and it wasn't too long after that that, uh, uh, let me see, I had retired from the business, and then he moved to uh, WWE and became Stone Cold, and as we all know, the rest is history, you know. Pillman, too. Pillman was, you know, he wasn't the biggest guy, but that guy, he knew how to get the heat when we were tagging up. He could get some good heat. He was solid. Um, you know, he was an athlete. Played for the Bengals. Um, you mm-hmm. know. And um, Steve Regal. I'll never forget the first time that I remember working. It was on TV. It was like a tag. It might have been a six-man. He was standing on the apron. And I don't know if it was his English demeanor. But he could have been standing over there in the corner having a glass of champagne and smoking a cigar. <laughs> that, was, that was his demeanor. You know, that's, I'm looking at him. You know. And afterwards, I said, Steve, come here. I said, you're standing over there so nonchalant. And I said, I don't know if that's the English way, but you need to be able to work the apron. And he looked at me like, what was I talking about? And I started giving him examples. I said, when when my partner is in the ring and you guys are kicking the crap out of him, I'm selling it on the apron. And I'm getting frustrated. And I'm getting, you know, I mean, I am so focused on my partner because I'll tell you something. When the fans look up, and if you're just standing there, and they think, well, his partner's in the ring, getting his ass handed to him. If he doesn't care, yeah. the guy on the apron, then why should I care? You know? And so from that point on, boy, he worked the apron so much he was blown up. Little things like that, though. I mean, just the knowledge that you bring, and certainly, like you mentioned, the seminars and everything. Uh, is there a place, Ricky, where people can kind of follow along with what you've got going on as far as seminars or appearances, stuff like that. Uh, is there anywhere where people can kind of keep tabs on that? Well, I, I, I have a tweet out there. Okay. It's uh, 
uh, everything lowercase. I don't know if that makes any difference, but it's real, R-E-A-L, underlying steamboat. And, um, okay. you know, and I, I do make announcements, and, um, you know, they can follow me, and I tell where I've been and all that kind of good stuff. And become a Tennessee volunteer fan. And wow. through, through my, wife, my wife is from Knoxville. And um, never watched college football all my life until I met her, and now I've become an Tennessee volunteer fan. I, I cannot help but watch the game. If I'm on the road Saturday, I have her tape the game so that when I get back, I can watch it. Awesome. Yeah. I and, love uh, it. I love it, Ricky. I'll make sure to uh, include a link to that as well so people can kind of, uh, you know, follow your Twitter and kind of see – not just where you've been, but where you're going as well. Um, before we let you go, Ricky, I have a huge favor to ask. I hope it's okay. Um, I was wondering if we could get you to uh, record a bumper for us to play on the beginning of the show, basically just saying, this is Ricky Steamboat, and you're listening to the name of the show is In the Room. Would that be okay? In the, in the room? Yes, sir. We're like we're all in the room together. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, you're only talking about maybe a five or ten second blip, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just something to play in the beginning in the future. Okay. Whenever you're ready. Uh, whenever you're ready, sir. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Here we go. Hey, wrestling fans, this is the Dragon talking at you. Ricky Steamboat, Hall of Famer. And you're listening to The Room. Thank you so much, Ricky. It uh, thank you, Kathy. <laughs> thank you both. Thank you, Ray. It means so much. It really does. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank well, you, Ricky. It Appreciate was a pleasure, it. my friend. Thank you. Okay. All right. And I will see you probably the next time, Kathy. Okay. You got it, Rick. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Talk to you later. Very appreciated. Bye bye. Thank you, Ricky. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, and that was Ricky Steamboat. This was uh, pre-recorded, of course, because I'm not able to be here tonight. I'm off. Uh, I'm off watching the Philadelphia Flyers, Kathy, and they're probably losing. I'm just taking a guess. Uh, but but Stro <laughs> will play this for everybody. <laughs> Stro will play this for everybody. Uh, Steve will be. Hey, this is Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Hey, guys, before we get started, I just wanted to read this commercial because it's an agreement that we made with a really great podcast, and I want to tell you guys all about it. Pro Wrestling Interviews, it features guests who are hot indie stars as well as the greats of the ring. Each week, you can join the amazing Velvet as well as Dr. John as they host this jam-packed hour of interviews, pro wrestling news, and entertaining guests. It's an hour you don't want to miss. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Every Sunday... 9 p.m. Eastern. Just go to ProWrestlingInterviews.com, and it'll take you to their Facebook page where you can get the custom podcast link for that week. Don't miss a second of Pro Wrestling Interviews. That's Sunday nights, 9 Eastern, 
ProWrestlingInterviews.com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In The Room. Every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, pregnant. I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stein of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Frisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hick, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Nick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, Tony here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Bruno was an early champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. Here's Bill after, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruno lose that title to the Valiant? Well, actually, it was uh, uh, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a loss. Did have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, was that the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's 
WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out, VOCNation.com, WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. 